pick a niche you can get behind, you can get passionate about it. Some of our associates, which we call associates, they're students, they'll say like, I really love it because. So get get behind something you can be passionate about. Number two, then find that person you and I just alluded to, the person that can show you the path that already did it. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I'm excited to have you. I'm kind of chuckling, but I had a little bit of an audio issue that almost just happened, but I avoided it because I'm a pro. Anyways, hope you guys are doing well. Hopefully, you are ready for a good show because I've got one for you. If you're new to the show, grab something that's nailed down and let's get ready. This is going to be a crazy ride. If you've been here before, you're already hanging on to something nailed down and you know we're going to bring it. So thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. Guys, in all seriousness, I've got a really, really good interview for you today. We're going to talk creative financing, which I think is an important thing to talk about because a lot of people just don't understand it, frankly. And I've got someone on the show who is a pro at that. Uh, He is a three-time best-selling author. Uh, The 2017's uh, real estate on your terms. And this year's The New Rules of Real Estate Investing are among his uh, fantastic books. Uh, he is, and you'll hear this in the interview, he is buying two to, five, two to five properties per month and sometimes up to 10. And he's doing it all on terms, right? So he's not getting mortgages. He's not flipping them. He's not hiring contractors. He's doing it all on terms, which is really, really cool. And he was a, definitely a fun guy. He's got his own podcast too, by the way, the Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. Uh, you can check that out on iTunes. Uh, he's been in the business for over th- or approximately 30 years. I shouldn't say over, for almost 30 years he's been in the business. He knows what he's talking about. And here's another good thing about him. We didn't get into this so much in the interview, but I want you to know because I think it's important. This is the kind of thing I love about the folks that I interview. He and his family believe strongly in giving back to the community. They currently support uh, the Franciscan Children's Hospital in Brighton, Massachusetts, Three Angels Foundation in Newport, Rhode Island, and the Wounded Warrior Project by giving back a percentage of all the profit profit on his deals to those causes. So that's really, really cool. His name is Chris Prefontaine. He was a fun interview and he knows a lot. He was very informative, gave a lot of really good gold nuggets during the interview. So get ready for this one. It's going to be great. Without any further ado, I give you Chris. All right, Chris, thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward. I think this is going to be a good conversation. Yeah, let's dive in. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, for people who don't know who you are, people who are under a rock and never heard of you, let's tell them a little bit about you. Uh, and I'd like to, it's always interesting, I think, to back up before real estate, if there was something before real estate, unless you got into this right out of high school, but tell us what you were up to prior to real estate and what got you into real estate? What made you want to go down this road? All right. So you start now with having me date myself. I'll do it. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I started in real estate in 91. So to predate that, uh, I grew up in a family company. It actually had nothing to do with real estate. On the surface, it was a welding supply company, but my okay. dad would build buildings and then he would lease those buildings back from the, uh, the company, lease them back from him. And I remember being young going, I don't get it. Like you're the same person. How does that work? So that's where my wheels started turning. I literally remember those conversations. I wasn't piecing it together. I got a little taste for that. And then he would go out and do a lot of land. Like he'd find empty land, vacant land, hit engineer it and flip it. And again, that was all new to me. So that was my kind of intro into it in 91. Uh, when he sold the company on his own, I was too young to participate in that. I went off and started in real estate basically full time. So that's interesting. So your dad was sort of, was that's a very cool model, by the way. He's buying these, these buildings and then they're leasing them back from him. Very, very smart. And uh, so when you became an adult, 
did you immediately gravitate toward real estate? Was that, was that your first inclination or did you kind of do the college route, go into a different industry? Like how did that work? Uh, I was in college. I was working for him full time. He had uh, one of his key guys pass away when I was a sophomore in college. I took on a full time job as a purchasing agent. Actually, uh, my wife was a hairdresser. She put me through college as I was doing my studies. So we were married for a good two years, making our way through. You know, no money. I was reading real estate then to go way back. Nothing to do with politics at that time. I read Trump's first book way back then, and so that's what got me interested. And I just always had the itch. I just never knew how to get in. Right, early nineties when I started to to make my foray into the into the market by way of building home. It's funny you mentioned Trump's book. It's very polarizing nowadays. But back then, I read his first book too, The Art of the Deal. I thought it was a really good book. It, it inspired right. me too and kind of made me you know, think a little bit bigger than I was thinking maybe before that. So it's very, very interesting. What was your first foray into real estate? What was the first thing you did, first transaction? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. So the first deal was um, a, a split level home on a golf course. The gentleman was selling it. And the reason my partner and I bought it, and we bought it conventionally, not like I do now, but just regular, you know, whatever we had put down, 5% or whatever, signed yep. personally. Okay. Uh, it had a lot next to it though. So we subdivided it, learning that from my earlier years, uh, then built a duplex on that and then sold off the duplex as condos, two separate condos, okay. and then ended up with the house for next to, next to nothing on the house left and we rented it for a while. Nice. Very smart. So I assume when you did that, you were like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. I like this. So what was next for you at that point? Did you just dive in head first? Did you start just doing your thing or did was it like a slow burn? A lot of people I know do something similar, not quite that, but they might house hack or something and they go, oh, that's kind of cool. But then it takes them several years to really get back to it full time. How long did you did it take you to actually dive in full time? Well, I was still working then for him. So I would say within the year I made the transition, but I made the transition. Here's the punchline because the company that bought him out fired me. So they, they kept me like four <laughs> weeks. I remember it. And I, I'm like, dad, they fired me. I was like 20 something years old with two kids, you know? So it's, oh my gosh. So that, so that was fun. No, my, my next thing was, do you remember, uh, I'm going to date myself again, but remember Earl Nightingale? He's passed away now. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do. I had an old cassette tape in my <laughs> Honda and the, the, the story was, he told it, it was a guy in the depression that went around putting signs, homemade signs on people's land and the landowner would let him sell them. And then that's how he'd get paid this guy. I literally went back and this is when we had, uh, what do you call it, voice machines in the house. And I yeah. set up a, a, a one phone line and a voice machine. And then I'd go to landowners who were selling their land and say, I'll give you full price, but I'm going to pre-market a home here with a builder friend. When that's all done and built, you'll get full price. And that's how I started building homes. We did about a hundred of them over the next three years using that method with no cash down. Wow. Very, very cool, actually. Yeah, that's that's a while ago. And I'm just curious when this is sort of a side note, but I got to ask when you called your dad and said, hey, dad, they fired me. What did he say? I think he said they what? You know, I, they gave me a small severance. Like it was like a month and they paid off my car that I had, you know. So, okay. but at 20 something years old with two kids, that didn't cut it. That my, no. my kids were like uh, one and three, you know, that yeah. was tough. Wow. That is absolutely crazy. So I know you mentioned like not having to put really any money down on that deal. What does your business look like nowadays? And it's sort of a it's sort of a, a sort of a loaded question because I know you do a lot of terms. You you buy houses yeah. on terms. What does that mean for the folks listening who don't know? What does it mean to buy a house on terms, and why would anyone want to do that? 
Sure. So that was born out of the 08 crash. That was that was why I did what I did because after the crash, I had nothing. My credit got beat up. So buying on terms for us, because it's a little twist to some different niches, is lease purchase or owner financing primarily. There's some offshoots to that to get more advanced, but those two things are primarily how we buy. And why is when I get back in the market after 08, I said, I'm absolutely never going to sign personally again with a bank. Learn that the hard way. So yep. I'm not putting my assets up. I'm not doing any of that. No, like maybe with the exception of a personal home, but that's it. And so we buy everything with lease purchase with a $10 deposit and we buy everything owner financing if it's free and clear with no mortgage and we make monthly principal only payments. So that's just a huge recession hedge with everything going on right now. That's why it's one of the reasons we're thriving with these deals. In a short way, let's explain lease lease purchase so people understand sure. what that is. Sure. So let's use, there's all different scenarios, but Mike, let's say your house is, we agree it's worth 300 grand. And let's give you some equity. Let's say you owe 250. Okay. I go to you as a seller, and especially during COVID, you can imagine, but just as in any market and say, okay, Mike, you might've been an expired listing. You didn't sell. I say, all right, listen, I, you're trying to protect this 50 grand in equity if you got full price. You didn't. So here's what I'll do. I'll start paying the underlying debt on your behalf when I put my buyer in your home, which we can talk about later. And only then, so I'm not coming out of pocket. Then at the end of the term, let's say 36 months, I'm going to pay you your 50 grand. So you're protected. And I'm going to pay off the underlying loan, which is no longer 250. It's something less. So I benefit there. That's the structure of the seller, but these deals, I don't care how I buy them, I exit them all, creating three paydays. And that's just something I learned too over the years. Like you build a house, you get paid. Okay, it's a lot of work. You got to do it again. So the three payday system works awesome. That's awesome. And then owner finance, what is that in a nutshell for people? Yeah, so owner financing, look, I'll go back to your house, it's 300 grand again, but you're debt free. Because these deals aren't just for people stressed out. So yep. you're debt free and you want all the money. And for whatever reason, either for tax reasons that you can wait or the market didn't give you your 300. I say to you, Mike, I'll give you your 300. If you'll take monthly principal payments over time, and for those deals, it'll be like 48 months and longer. My building I just did, that I had my offices in 20 years. But okay. we're making monthly principal payments on these deals. So you can imagine over four to 10 years, you're just hammering down the principal, complete opposite of a normal mortgage. Yeah, totally. And on those types of deals, am I to assume that you're saying by making principal only payments, you've stressed that a few times, that there's no interest. It's yeah, all no. principal, right? Yeah. So so they owe 300, you chop a $300,000 payment into whatever, however many months or years, and, and that's all you're paying. And there is no interest, right? Which is, it sounds like maybe a small thing, but it's huge, especially over time. That's insane, right? Because if you have to go get a mortgage or even if, even a low mortgage, you're going to be paying you know significant interest on a, on a property over, over time. So that's, that's a big... Big, that's a big nugget actually for people when you're when you're negotiating an owner finance deal where they own it free and clear. I don't know how you do it, but you know, you just kind of show them what it would be if you made payments. And it's like, you don't go, I will not pay you interest, but you just set it up in a way that is agreeable to them. They see it. They say, okay, 300,000 and this is going to be my payments. I agree to that, right? If you don't, you don't have to mention interest. If there's no interest, there's no interest, right? You don't necessarily go just so you know. Yeah. You don't bring it up, right? It's just, uh, it's just as long as everyone's happy with the terms and the payments, then that's where you go. Usually their head goes to price. It's an, I I don't want to say an ego thing. That seems like I'm being mean to them, but the sellers usually are either going for tax reasons, estate planning reasons, yeah. or, hey, I just want my price. I don't care how you carve it up. And we don't carve it up like if it's a five-year term, we don't say carve that up in five years. We get a market price that's like a mortgage payment would be for that house. That's how yeah. we negotiate it. Okay. And then there's a balloon at the end of the term, whatever that. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes total sense. And honestly, sometimes, you know, again, if you're thinking, wow, that doesn't sound like great for the person. Sometimes if you were to give them that $300,000 all at one time, it's going to screw them up a little bit, right? Sometimes they have a little government assistance or certain things that 
that you will interrupt their flow of income if you do that. So it's not good for them in some cases. So it makes uh, makes tons and tons of sense. So there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast, and I would venture to guess most of them who are either in real estate investing now, they're doing something on a small level, or they haven't quite gotten started yet. And the the dream is to do it full time. In your opinion, how does a person go from where they maybe are in their nine to five and unhappy to being a full-time real estate investor? What is that? What what advice would you give people who are in that track right now of kind of wanting to be full-time? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different answers because we've had, we just had our seventh or eighth, I think it was, person go full-time. So I've seen the transition. So what does that take? What did it take them? Game plan with us, strategy game plan with us or whatever niche you're in. If you're in a different niche, you know, talk to someone about what that took them. So that clearly means they had to have run the path already themselves. The toughest part is going to be you executing the plan. So we had a gentleman, for example, that was driving 12 hour days to uh, one hour each way to work, but 12 hour days working. That's little time. Most people would say, well, I can't do a real estate business then. We set a plan with a him based on his goals and his income and his significant income he needed that said, okay, in 24 months, I want to transition. Took him 26 or 27. But the point is get a plan with your mentor, coach, advisor, family, whatever, and then follow that with blinders on until such time it, it comes to fruition. Because I, yeah. I hate to water it down, but if you set up a plan that's predictable with someone that already did it, then you can get there. Yeah. And you threw something in there real at the end. And I hope people understood that. You said basically just do that. Like I think the implication there was don't get scattered on what you're trying to do. Don't try to do everything. Don't listen to 15 different people. If you have a plan, stick to that plan. And if it came from someone who you know to be credible and they are they are or, or have the ability to get you to where you want to go, then stop looking for answers once you find an answer, right? I, I'm big on that too. I really, you know, I really think if someone comes to me and wants to know what do I do here, if I tell them and then they go ask ten other people and they don't do any of it or they do something else, like I'm going to be less likely to help them the next time they come to me because they're not really paying attention. They're just a lot of people get in that asking mode where they just want more information, more information, but they're afraid to pull the trigger. So I think that's huge. What uh, strategies? I, I know uh, one of the things you talk about is strategies and prioritizing. What do you think people when they're new? What strategies should they prioritize? Tell me this answer. Here's a formula I tell everyone because I'm not so naive to think what we do is whatever we should do. I'm not. My podcast has like every different niche. I'm, I'm, I tell people be open. Okay. Yep. So first is pick a niche you can get behind and get passionate about it. Some of our associates, which we call associates, they're students. They'll say like, I really love it because. So get get behind something you can be passionate about. Number two, then find that person you and I just alluded to, the person that can show you the path that already did it. Especially during all this chaos, please, please, please don't go to someone that just started or is in theory marketing well and they don't know how to teach it because you're going <laughs> to yeah. go down the wrong road. Yep. And then third is uh, put the blinders on for 36 months because in real estate, it's what you said. They'll go, oh, this looks cool. All this looks cool over here. You'll never get out of that. So yeah. 36 months of blinders on and you'll have a great experience. By the way, if you're building a restaurant, that would work, right? It doesn't yeah. matter what business. Laser focus is absolutely huge. You're, you're absolutely right. So let's talk about your business a little bit. What does your business look like today? Your real estate investing company? Sure. So it's myself, my son-in-law, Zach, and my son, Nick. So it started with me that I just built a team around me and then a great staff, not just them. And we do anywhere between two and five homes a month now. It's been as high as 10, but then we also take that same exact knowledge. We do that in New England. We take that same exact skill set, knowledge, protocols, systems, checklists, and we teach students around the country to do the exact same thing. So we just take our same roles and translate that to the students. For example, my son, Nick, is great with buyers, putting buyers in our home that need time to qualify. He's the expert at that. So then he teaches that in the field. Does your company do any wholesaling, flipping, anything like that? Or is it all pretty much like this lease purchase sort of a model or, or uh, own a finance model? Yeah, it's all lease purchase, owner financing and subject to, 
Now, yeah. if, if a wholesale deal comes our way, we either refer it or do it. But it's, I'm talking like on one hand, I can count them out of all yeah. the hundreds and hundreds of deals we do. I just don't think, like, again, not to step on toes, but when we're talking about creating three paydays per deal that we have, yeah. and they average, my odds is like 75 grand, but our students range from 45 to 250 per deal. When you see those kind of numbers after you get in that mode, very hard to say, yeah, I'll go run after that one check deal. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't, in general, my wife has a rehab project going on now. I mean, I've done just about everything, but that's yeah. what we focus on as a family. I like that. I like the focus too, right? Because you have the means, the knowledge, and I'm sure the the finances behind you to do whatever you want to do, but you choose to remain focused on what you know works and what seems like for you is the best best option, the best payday. You're making a lot of money. Like you're not scattered. And, and that's really important for people to know, right? Because not not just new people get scattered because they do a lot. But people who have been doing this a while, sometimes they go, yeah, what if I do this? And they start going away from their core competency or what they know to work. And a lot of times they end up coming back because they go, oh boy, I got so sidetracked by thinking. I did the same thing. I'm guilty of this. I went out of the real estate world because I, I was having success so fast, so early that I thought, apparently I'm a prodigy. I'm, a, I'm just like a business you know, prodigy. And uh, I got slapped down by a different industry and something I didn't understand very well. And I came back and said, okay, I'm going to do what I know. And I, and I went back to that, that track. But I think it's important for people to understand that focus is, is really, really big in real estate. It's big in anything. It's big in any industry, right? Yeah. Focus on what you're great at. So the 08 crisis, you were around for that. You've dated yourself already. I know that you didn't start this in the last five years. What did the 08 crisis look like for you and your business and how did it affect you or not affect you? Yeah, no, it affected me a big way. It crushed me. So we had 22 or 23 properties that we were all conventionally bought or bought with investors, which means the underlying first mortgage was signed on personally. So when, when properties in this area in New England got cut by a third, I had one project that went down by two thirds, condominium conversion property. Wow. That hurts. Like you're not selling those and the bank's knocking on your door because you were stupid enough to sign personally and that was me. Yeah. So, that, it's so, so we said, okay, if we're going to get back into real estate, what are going to be the rules here? No signing personally, you know, no taking out bank loans, no soliciting investors. We just did all the things we did wrong. We said, don't do it again. That's pretty yeah. simple, right? My father used to say, if that hurts, don't do it again. Like it's very simple. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about your business a little bit, a little bit more granularly. What is it that, well, first of all, you said you're finding two to five deals, sometimes 10, some instances per month. How are you finding your deals? Because that's a, that's a struggle yeah. a lot of people have right now. Well, and they have it all the time. It's, a light, it's, a, it's an age-old struggle. But how are you finding deals in today's world? Yeah, uh, expired listings and for sale by owners and for rent by owners remain the three biggest. If we want to niche down, which I love doing, we go out to our software and look for free and clear home. Um, within that, uh, I said our numbers. I mean, we do 25 to 30 deals uh, per month around the country. So there's plenty of deals. There's, there's a plethora of deals. And that number increased during COVID, not decreased. Because think yeah. about it, the banks are are uh, not intentionally, I guess, but they're crushing buyers, which is slowing down sellers. And so they're coming out of the woodwork saying, help me. Like, this is non-conventional. Show me how it works. And yeah. so I just see an enormous opportunity there. Thanks for sharing, by the way, the way you're finding deals right now, because in some cases, people are spending a lot of money on marketing. And what yeah. you're telling me and what you're finding is you don't have to necessarily. The deals are out there and they're, they're a plenty. And that's an argument I hear a lot that there's no, I can't find deals. Those people always scare me anyways, because I feel like they're not hard workers if, they, if that's the default that they're going to go to, because there's always deals out there. So you find these deals, you, you, uh, I, I assume you're calling them on the phone or, or are you sending a mail in, 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 the, in your case? How, how are you reaching out to these homeowners that are either expired or for sale by owner? 
Sure. We either, uh, ourselves, we have virtual assistants now and we either tell the students either do that or start yourself uh, with the phone like I did when I started. But sure. uh, v- VAs, will, virtual assistants will call them. They'll produce uh, in a five-hour time span seven or ten property owner sheets uh, of which said, yeah, I'm open to hearing more about this, this terms thing. And then we call those. So we're really dealing with the people that have kind of raised their hand or half raised their hand and said, I want to yeah. talk. Okay. That makes sense. Now, the virtual assistants, just out of curiosity, because I know, again, this is something people ask me too when I start ever going down that road of virtual assistants. Where are you finding your virtual assistants? Is it, is it like Upwork or some, uh, I'm assuming it's not five. No, that's Fiverr, been a, maybe it's Fiverr. Where, where do you find good virtual assistants for this? Yeah, that it's been, it was a nightmare in 2013. So what we did is we finally found one through one service back in 2013. Uh, he's still with us. And then we built a team around him because we keep trying to outsource. Wow. We keep trying to go overseas. And frankly, it doesn't work. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of heavy lifting for nothing. So what we yep. do now, painfully, is my son-in-law, Zach, trains a team every Monday. And then our students get to go ahead and access them. So they're not training them. They're just plug and play. And they know terms deals. I had two two students come to me and go, I had this uh, this person there. They used to call for wholesales. They know real estate. Okay, great. They get in the trenches with ideas. They have no clue what to do because they're used to lowballing and we're paying top market value in a lot of cases. It's just a mm-hmm. different deal, different animal. Yeah. So is the VA that you had, the one from 2013, is he US-based or is he overseas? Yeah. Okay, yeah, US-based. No, most of them are US. US yeah, yeah I, I've struggled too. And I know I've, I've interviewed people. I've talked to people who use overseas investor or VAs and they, they swear it's, it could be done. It's great. It's easy. I've never had luck with it either, honestly. I've had only good luck with with, with US-based VAs or people local to me. So that, that's, good, uh, that's good to know that that's, that's how you're doing it too. And that's what's making, making it work for you. So when you talk to these folks, like what, what are some of the more common objections that you hear from someone who you're approaching them to do terms deal, you know, lease, lease purchase, or some of these creative financing type deals? How do you, what's the big objections that you usually, and they're not big for you now maybe, but what are the common ones that people hear all the time that they have to overcome? A common one would be after bat, which ends the conversation, would be I need whatever equity I have in this to go buy my next house for my family. If if that's the the individual, the seller, like if you needed that 50 grand in the example we gave of you and I talking, um, I'd say, Mike, sorry, I'm not your buyer, but I would follow that up with, look, forget COVID for a second. I'd follow that up with, look, 99% of the people I talk to want full price. Everybody does. Full price cash, let's be done. The reality is before COVID, 62 to 82% of the buyer pool out there, like in the country, were not able to walk into bank that day and be qualified. They needed credit enhancement or time to seize it. They needed something. That's who we yeah. deal with. Yeah. I used to say that with ease. And now with COVID, I don't know what the number is, honestly, but it's higher than that, which is crazy, yeah. which means there's a lot of people that need our, your help, our help. And you've been you've been in this since the 90s. What, what do you think, speaking of COVID, since you brought it up, it's, it's something I want to ask you about anyway. What do you think, what do you see happening in your business, in our industry over the next 12 to 18 months? Do you see more of an opportunity, less of an opportunity, no different? How is it going to affect you and your business, do you think? Yeah, much, much more opportunity. Literally from April till now, we've had a steady increase three times in increase because of what I said earlier, banks are just making it real difficult. Uh, example of higher end homes might think about it. Any market where the jumbo limit starts on loans and up are very difficult to sell. So we had a 1.3 million in Colorado with a student. The buyer that came to us when we got it on terms said, I went to buy that house. I have 760 credit. I had 10% down. The bank stopped the closing the week off and said, no, 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 your credit's good, but you need two years reserve and you need uh, 760 credit, two years reserve, 20% down. 
Well, hmm. that just flushed out a bunch of really good buys that now just need time to save more. And yeah. we gladly take them because it was a huge payday. So I think this huge opportunity to go back to your question. And my son-in-law just sitting the other night at dinner said, you know what, Chris, he said, I think this was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's what he said. Because in every way we're working at home, we're more efficient, we're getting more deals. Sellers know it's virtual. Like the whole thing works better for us. I agree. I, we've gone virtual in our company and uh, we, we've not missed a beat. It's actually, I feel more productive myself when I'm at home. Yeah. You know, the, the drive time to the office and all that, you can eliminate all that. And I think sometimes it just, you know, at home, you, I, I just, I get more done. I find that I'm more productive as well. So I, I agree with you. And, and again, some people, you know, I talked to someone earlier today and I think this is a little off subject, but I, I really think that something like this pandemic, what's happening to us, you know, some people hit adversity and they they, they kind of hit the fire, so to speak, and it either consumes them and they burn up or it fuels them to figure out a better, more efficient way. And I've seen companies, you know, the same the same company in the same industry side by side, one pivots the what they're doing and they become even better and stronger and the other one goes out of business. But why? And it, I think it has a lot to do with perspective and how people react to it adversity and you know what's happening to us in our world now there's opportunity there and it's not in a predator way but there's just opportunity there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to allow us as real estate investors to um Excel and to to really have have you know be profitable and all that. So I like that. I like that you're you're realizing that and you're kind of understanding that the numbers are going to get better for you. Frankly, because I, I talk to so many people that are so worried that well I'm going to go out of business or maybe real estate isn't a good time for me right now. It's like no, it actually is a really good time and we're kind of approaching a really good time because if you got started if you got started back in 08, which I did, I didn't have to I I didn't get sort of crushed because I had nothing going on before 08. I started in 08. It was a great time to start real estate and. Honestly, I didn't take advantage of it like I could have because I didn't know anything about it. I, I sort of was bumbling around for a few years. But we're about to hit a period where if you kind of are ready for it and you understand what's happening, you could do really, really well. So anyways, I think that that's important for people to understand. So you talk to folks, that's the big objection, right? And it stops the conversation. They need all their equity. Any other big objections that you that you see out there that you tell your students about and, and people that ask you that they, it kind of, what, do you, what are they going to hear the first time they try to negotiate terms with somebody? I, I assume they're going to ask questions like, what if you don't pay me? Or like, what happens? What, what, what do you say to someone who says, what if you just stop paying me? What if I give you my house or, you know, sell you my house and you don't pay me? Yeah. So this is going to be a confidence answer. This is a great question. So I tell the students, this, if you're getting asked that, I tell the students and you're coming across as not confident. So that's a script issue because my answer is real simple. I say to them, I put it back on them, the onus. And I say, look, have you done your due diligence? We do 25 or 30 days a month. We have a national site. We have the foremost experts in the country. Now it's not what I said. It's how I said it with confidence. So I said, if it, and then I end it with, if it's going to keep you up at night and this is not going to be a transaction you're comfortable with, then don't do it. I just take it away because I know our options are phenomenal unless you need your money out tomorrow. I really do. I believe that from the core. So that's how I answer. The other one would be, Mike, you said another common one earlier. Uh, they'll say, even to the most confident, they'll say to me every day, what if in the lease arrangement, not the other arrangement, if in the lease arrangement, what if your buyer who you put in the house before they get financing trashes my house? They all ask that because they're thinking rental in their brain. It's And I answer them, it's not a rental. Like a renter and a buyer are two different people. Our people are buyers at any time. A renter is someone that has a hope to maybe someday if they can and everything's perfect, buy. Yep. So there's a big difference. So, But my answer is it's our responsibility. It's not, it's not yours. I take full responsibility for the home. I 
takeaway. That's a good answer. And, and uh, yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. The takeaway is huge. And people, you know, in my world where we go in to talk to homeowners, we're trying to get a purchase agreement. We do it a little different, but the takeaway is huge. You know, people are always afraid to do the takeaway because they, they want that deal so bad. But believe me, they've, they've tried other things before they talk to you in a lot of cases. They yeah. know what their options are. So in our case, a lot of times we'll tell homeowners, like if they go, well, well I really want more for my house because we do wholesaling and flipping. I want more for my house. I go, well, you should list it through a realtor. If you thought about listing through a realtor, well, of course they've thought about listing through a realtor. They know they can't do that because deferred maintenance or whatever the case is, right? So that takeaway is powerful because when someone gets something taken away, it's a push pull. If you get something taken away, sure the human instinct is to get it back, right? So now they're yep. pursuing you. It's super smart, great sales uh, technique too, but totally effective. So once you get these things in our contract, what is, you know, for the people who think, well, how am I going to find someone to, to, to get into the house? Who's going to give me a down payment, right? I assume that's one of your paydays. What do you tell people about that? How hard is it to find uh, prospective homeowners or people who you're going to put into the house that are going to eventually cash you out? What do you tell people about trying to find those folks? Uh, what if you get stuck with a house? Okay. So two things on that. First of all, it's the easiest piece of the equation. So, but let me address the stuck first. Sure. When you're new, you will never, if I'm, if I'm working with you, you'll never, take a property on that's not contingent upon you getting a buyer first. Now, are there plenty of deals we take on now that has equity sitting there and there's a reason for us to take it over because we have other paydays coming from other deals? Sure. But when I started, I certainly didn't. I had zero money and zero credit. So I'd make everything contingent upon my buyer. So, so back to how you get that done, it is by far the easiest thing because of the buyer pool that I told you earlier. It's enormous, enormous yeah. and growing bigger. So uh, it's all online, but then there's a process of weeding out because 80% of the calls we get, despite the ads, are renters, just hoping that we'll let them in a the house. So yep. it's a, there's a process of education of self-done videos, done few videos that we bring them through and then the cream rises and my son talks. Definitely. Okay. That makes sense. Now, let me ask you another question. This is just more from my head because this is where my head would go. Knowing what we know about what happened in 08, what, how concerned and how maybe do you insulate yourself from one of two things happening in, in your portfolio, which sounds yeah. large, either the buyer being unable to get financed the end of the term or not deciding they don't want to do it anymore for whatever reason, and or the economy just going the other way. And now that house could never appraise on, on, on its best day. How would you answer those concerns? Yep. A couple of things, both very, very applicable. And even sellers will ask that. So the first one is a buyer can't get qualified at the end. So always best with examples. Two yep. things. One is if you're my seller that we used earlier, $300,000 house, three-year term, I'm going to pre-qualify my buyer that they can, that their mortgage ready date comes back 18 to 24. Now that gave them an extra year to wiggle. That's mm -hmm. important. Now, so let me give you some metrics of that and then I'll bounce back. Two to 5% of our buyers default. That's the inverse relationship to most people in my, in our niche. Why? Because we are ridiculously strict on the front end underwriting of this to make sure they're going to be mortgage ready so they, they set up to win. Despite doing that, people have life events. COVID just happened. We had a woman, always paid, but she worked with schools. She consulted schools. She said to us, I can't do anything. I'm not going to sit in this house, even though there's eviction laws. I'm, I have to leave. I respect you guys did everything you could. So she left. Well, we did, we had about six months left. The balloon was coming up this fall. This yeah. happened right at the beginning of COVID. We okay. put it back on the market. Usually we could sell it a little higher because they've been in there so long, but we sold it for the exact number we had under agreement with her. So we were fine. Actually, sadly enough, we're ahead of schedule because she had a deposit in we rent and resold it. And we actually, that deposit was eaten up by the realtor fee. So same net. Okay. Uh, short answer, give yourself buffer of the term of the buyer and the term of the seller. Okay. Um, as far as the economy going, uh, this is what we started about a year and a half before COVID. Thinking, my head was, well, it's going to be an adjustment at some point. So yeah. we started doing two things. Our contracts are brilliantly done. Mike, they've been, we've been writing and rewriting and tweaking so that we can assign the houses back if we need to. 
which causes the need with the seller to renegotiate with us and go further out. And the okay. second thing is we used to walk in and say, hey, three to five years, like common, and even accept a two-year deal. It's out of the question. About a year and a half ago, we started this. We do four, five, 10. My building, I told you, is 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, if I have a 20-year term and I'm paying a heavy principal pay down, do I really care if the market has a cycle or two in the next 20? No, I don't. So the answer is longer terms and great contracts. Okay. And when you said you you have something in your contract that allows you to assign it back, is that to mean you can, under the worst conditions, assign the property back to the original owner? Yeah, and those purchase and they don't want it. So they, so they yeah. can go, what's my options? Let's yeah. just, hey, this is real estate. The national economy just took a dive in your example. Let's push it out to give us both time and principal time to come down, the prices to come up. So we've yep. done that a few, on a few during COVID. We use that opportunity to say, hey, we need more time here. To which they okay. all said, sure. They want closure. They want, they want, they don't want a headache back. Yeah. I like that. And that answers like if I were a seller or someone who was just trying to be skeptical, that's, that's what I would want to want to know what happens in these, in these cases. Right. So what is it, what are your goals in your company? Like, I know what you're doing now. What, what do you see for your company over the next two to five years? Like, what does that look like for you? Uh, two different fronts. On the personal buying and selling, we just added a new seller special. So we're ramping up with the common doing what it's doing. I just don't see it wrapping up, you know, this COVID stuff. I, I don't yeah. everybody has a different opinion, but I don't sure. see it wrapping up quickly. So we're adding a seller specialist to do more deals. And then on the other front, uh, we have a very simple mission as a company. We're looking to do by 2022, 1500 transactions with our students. And we're two years into that five-year mission. So that's very focused. Awesome. I love it, man. I, I love what you're up to. I think it's a very smart model. I, I tell you what, I, I interviewed, I have interviewed hundreds of people on my podcast and very few of them are doing what you're doing or anything close to it. Most people are doing rentals, wholesaling, flipping and and some, and some land deals, right? Some, some stuff like that. And I think what I love about what you're doing is in all the years I've been doing this and all the people that I've personally coached myself and had in, in our mastermind and things like that, it seems like owner finance or creative finance, I shouldn't say owner finance, creative finance deals are the most black box scary because they don't understand them, right? So people are afraid of what they don't understand. And it, it's usually where the, a lot of money is being left on the table, frankly, because the people it sounds too complicated. It sounds scary. They don't want to try to explain this to anybody because they don't understand it, right? They don't know the paperwork. So they just go, oh, I'm, I'm just going to flip it or I'm just going to buy it as a rental, right? But I, I like that you're, because what you're doing is sort of recession proof. It's, it's a little bit insulated because there's always going to be people who will want to do it this right. It doesn't necessarily matter if the economy goes up or down. I think that uh, creative finance deals have always been something that people are open to. It's just, you know, it's just a different way of doing things that not everyone talks about. So I, I like that we were talking about it here on this show and talking about it with someone who really knows their stuff, which is you. You've been doing this a long time. So I appreciate that. Let's talk about the the, the free book offer. What What is that for folks? What can they get if they go to the website that I'm about to tell them? Yeah, they. so our bestseller, the first one is what we've been talking about, you and I. Uh, okay. It's a hard cover, Amazon bestseller. They obviously could go there. But what we're doing during COVID is we'll get to the electronic version. All they got to do is say that they heard us chatting on your show, get it off to them. And then we throw ebooks at them and other free things when they go there. It's just freesrecbook.com. Nice. All right. Freesrecbook.com. Go there and tell them that you, uh, you heard about them on Just Start Real Estate and they will send you that free digital download. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that people should know how to get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? What else can we can we do for you here? Yeah, sure. I appreciate it, Mike. They can, uh, I'll give a free strategy call. My team will probably say, what the heck are you thinking about? But you asked, um, they can go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash action. 
it'll say, hey, have you done deals? Have you not done deals? There's no wrong answer. It's just so that or myself or Zach, because we do the calls, I'll do every one of them or my, mm-hmm. my son-in-law. We'll, we'll get on, we'll know what direction you want to go or if you're brand new, where we can help you move to the next step. So the free strategy calls with you. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for, thanks for offering that as well. Well, listen, man, I'm not going to keep you. This has been really great. It's been eye-opening for me too, because you answered some questions that I frankly had about how you do business. And I think that coming up where we are, I, I think the demand is going to be very high for this type of a transaction. So thanks for doing that. If they want to get a hold of you, for sure, go to freesrecbook.com. Get that free digital download. Chris, thank you for doing this. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to more success in the future and maybe talking to you down the road and just seeing how things are going then. I love I love conversations with smart investors. So thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing it out to the public. Of course. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Chris is a good guy and he's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to creative financing. And I get a lot of questions about creative financing. So uh, these are definitely the kind of deals that people should know how to do. It should be in your tool belt. I say it all the time, right? Like in sales or in when you're trying to to do this business, you need more than one strategy. If you know, if everything is just a nail and you're a hammer, it's gonna you're gonna leave money on the table. So knowing how to do creative financing deals is actually very important. Um, so that's something that you guys should definitely learn. Chris is a good guy; he knows what he's talking about. Uh, we definitely talk about those in our in the seven figure group as well, and kind of help you understand how to do those. So. Put it in your in your uh, in your tool belt, uh, but at the very least, like we talked about early in this podcast, focus. Focus is key. And if you haven't gotten started in your business, if you're sitting home and you're listening to this podcast, thinking I want to get out there and I want to get started, focus. Make today that day where you change your life forever. Make today the day that you tell your friends and family, "I remember the day I decided to start my business." to get out there and get going. Get out there and get going, guys, today. Make today the day you talk about the rest of your life. All right, go get it. We'll see you next time. Okay, you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words. Now, just start to the number five, five, four, four, So text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.